On today's episode of Newsflash 18, new revelations from a trove of Trump tax records. Brand new reporting for the Times about the records. Also, tax system, what it really says about American capitalism, and the cops and these protests. What the rallies say about us. That's today's episode of Newsflash for you. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Spencer Walsh. We're going to be ready to it today and talking about this very big and very interesting New York Times. Honestly, I mean, I do kind of question a little bit how interesting it is, but it is very significant here that the Trump, uh, the Trump tax returns have again finally been obtained. New York Times, more effective investigators here than Congress and Richard Neal, uh, who recently got... It pains me even to say this, uh, re-elected uh, in this uh, against Alex Warren. Alex Warren, please win again. Um, yeah, uh, Trump has long refused to release this information, making him the first president in decades to have basic details about his finances. His refusal has made tax returns among the most sought-after documents in recent memory. They've been very, very big. Um, so uh, Trump paid no federal income tax in 11 or 18 of 18 years that the time examined in 2017 after he became president. Um, his tax bill was only $750 because, uh, as I understand it, he made a lot more. He lost a lot more money than he gained on various projects. So that was really how was he kind of able to like scam the system, and be, like claim different things as as losses. Um, and this is I mean, the line this kind of stuff was, I mean pretty much essentially public knowledge like what we're really hearing is like a lot of the country i think believe this stuff anyway about him um and even the people who voted for him but i mean we saw we saw what happened we saw his response for this last for last cycle four years ago we we're gonna get a preview it's gonna be a little bit debate tuesday night uh tomorrow night we will you will have a preview of what he's gonna say right now I scammed the system, folks, didn't I? I I'm 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 good. I'm smart. I'm the I'm the smart rich guy who scammed the system and got my way out of it. So uh, yeah, so like why why get mad at me? Like I'm I'm in the I'm in the clear here. Uh that is really what he is saying. And it, it the and I think it's honestly it, it proves to be an effective point because I mean at least it did at that time. I I don't really see that much reason why it would change, but I mean, really, what his whole people is like he, he they know the system's corrupt. He knows the system's corrupt. He's out there saying it. He's saying that he knows how to scam the system, and he knows that like the whole the whole pitch there is that he would be their crook. He would be their person inside the uh, the system here. So I mean, I really kind of struggle a little bit to see how that is going, how effective this is going to be. So. He's reduced his tax bill with questionable measures, uh, including a $72.9 million tax refund is the subject of an audit by the IRS, which could be a bit of a problem for him in the post-presidency period for him. I mean, I have to imagine if anything. Uh, Many of his signature businesses, including his golf courses, report losing large amounts of money, losses that have helped him to lower his taxes. So, again, how true is that? We don't know. Uh, The financial pressure... On him is increasing as hundreds of millions of dollars in loans he personally guarantees uh, are uh, due soon. So that could be a problem for him again in the post presidency future. So all the libs on Twitter who they they are have been kind of waiting uh, ever since 
Robert Mueller was appointed, or really ever since, I mean, the 2016 campaign for speculating about the, all these crazy details here with with Trump's taxes and how it would like prove, like prove clear and conclusive ties to Russia or something like that. And I'm sure, literally, as we speak, Rachel Maddow is uh, in the middle of her like special show breaking this stuff down. But I mean, I I do kind of question here. Um, I mean, I, I I have to wonder, like, did they get did they get the buzz that they needed? Like, was this the prophecy fulfilled moment for them? I mean, considering their expectations were high, but I mean, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact there is some very interesting and I think some very potentially problematic stuff uh, in the post presidency of this. But it's not like he's going to get wheeled out of the White House uh, if Joe Biden wins by the feds. It's not going to be like it's going to be a federal marshal coming out there and doing it. Unless, I mean, unless he tries to overstay his welcome, but. Maybe that could happen. We don't even know. Like, that's a whole other possibility. But, like, the criminality is not to the, I think, the extent that they hoped. So, but there still is some definitely interesting stuff here. I mean, there's stuff that, I mean, I'm no tax lawyer, but I'm kind of raising my eyebrows. But, like, this seems a little bit, even just sketchy to me. But I, again, know next to nothing about how taxes really work. So, uh, yeah. Even while declaring losses, he's managed to also enjoy a lavish lifestyle by taking tax deductions on what most people would consider personal expenses including uh, residence, residences, uh, aircrafts, and $70,000 in tax deductions and hairstyling for television. So if you saw something about $70,000 for hairstyling on Twitter today, didn't quite know what it was, that is what it was. He uh, yeah, deducted $70,000 in hairstyling for television. Again, imagine if Barack Obama or any other politician ever did something like this on the Republican or Democratic side other than Trump. Like, that is just insane. Seventy thousand dollars in hairstyling for television deducted. I mean, ugh, just despicable, despicable behavior. I mean, unquestionably. But I mean, Ivanka Trump, while working as an employee of the Trump Organization, also appears to have received consulting fees that have helped reduce the president's family tax bill. Um, that uh, definitely comes comes in comes in clutch there as a special advisor to the president. Um, as president, he has received more money from foreign sources and U.S. interest groups than previously known. Their records do not reveal any previously unreported connections to Russia. Wah, wah. Uh, it, it is important to remember that the returns are not an unvarnished look at Trump's business activity. There are instead of his own portrayal of his companies compiled for the IRS, but they do not offer they do offer the most detailed picture yet available. Uh, below is a deeper investigation at the takeaways. Uh, the main article is based, this is again what the Times is saying here for its readers. The main article based on the investigation contains much more information, as does the timeline of the president's personal finances. But we will just be sticking here with the kind of quick points. Uh, and I'm sure they have all the files and stuff. If you're like a tax attorney or something like that, you really want to go through this. You want to find out like what the president's been doing. I'm sure you can find it uh, as much as your heart is content online. Um in addition to the 11 years in which he paid no taxes during 18 years examined by the Times, he paid only $750 in each of the two most recent years, 2016 and 2017. He's managed to avoid taxes while enjoying the lifestyle of a billionaire, which he claims to be, and while his companies cover the costs of what many consider personal expenses. Um, yeah, the tax avoidance sets him apart from most other affluent Americans. Taxes on wealthy Americans have declined sharply over the past decades, few decades, and many use loopholes to reduce their taxes below the statutory rates, but most affluent people still pay a lot of federal income tax. 
In 2017, the average federal tax uh, federal income rate among the highest earning 0.001 percent uh, of tax filers. That is the most affluent one one hundred thousandth slice of the population was 24.1 percent uh, over the past two decades. And pre- Trump paying again 750 dollars is not 24 percent of his wealth um, over the or his income uh, over the past two decades. Trump has paid about 400 million less in combined federal income taxes than a very wealthy person who paid the average for that group each year. His tax avoidance also sets him apart from other past presidents. No surprise. Um, uh, Trump may, may be the wealthiest U.S. president in history, yet he often paid less in taxes than re- recent presidents. Barack Obama and George W. Bush regularly paid more than 100000 a year in taxes, sometimes much more in federal income taxes while in office. Trump, by contrast, is running a federal government to which he has contributed almost no tax revenue in many years. So, again, very interesting stuff and a, a, really a lot of moral points, a lot of hypocrisy critical point here that you can make i mean i'm sure that everybody will make and again no no votes will be changed because we are again at peak polarization to get the kind of conservative uh perspective on this you can go i mean this is uh, david lang he's a conservative writing in today haven't read much about this story i'm wondering how anyone knows anything about his tax audit if the irs is sworn to privacy uh i think people probably leaked it um that's what I assume. I mean, they t- must have obtained, but somehow I'm, I'm pretty sure it's real. But he says again, considering it's the NYT, at least some of it is BS. Considering how complicated a tax return like his would be, anything can be true. But taking that context for a hit headline, anyway, I'm shocked. Shocked that a rich guy might use the tax code to his advantage. And again, that is. I mean, most of that's. I think really everything from that, like except for that last sentence, I like. I think is worthless. But. um that last sentence, I think, is has something very, very important in it, and is really, I think, when when it comes down to it, almost in a depressing way, uh, why it won't really affect the election that much is because, like, let's be real, let's be real. Everybody expects him to do this. Like, we know he's come out. He's pretty much intoned that he's doing it, and he, he said that he's good, and he's going to be that kind of. He's he's going to game the system for America. Like that was the pitch. That was the pitch. But now he's the incumbent, and now we've seen kind of hasn't been that good. So. Can he translate that? That's going to be, I think, one of the big deciding questions of the election. But, I mean, all in all, I think, like, nobody expects kind of upstanding citizenry, upstanding upstanding behavior from Trump. And most people probably aren't very surprised, uh, to say the least, that it has not come forth at this point in time. All right. Uh, we will now move on to our next story, putting this all in perspective. This is the Spencer Walsh Radio Network. We are continuing our coverage, of course, of the uh, the, the big story about Trump's taxes today. Um, and I do want to br- do it through a very good piece in the Discourse blog. Uh, a couple of years ago, this is again from Paul Blast here, he writing, a couple of years ago I received uh, a tax bill of over 70, uh, sorry, 7,000. At the time I was freelancing and barely 
uh, scraping together enough money to pay my bills. I was only able to pay about $1,000 of the bill immediately. So every month for nearly two years, the IRS has taken $120 out of my bank account. And again, this is the stuff where it's got to be like, this is the stuff where it has to be grinding on the nails for people. And I mean, it, as much as it should make a political, like, as much as you kind of, like, know in the time that we are, like, in the time that we're living in, in what we've seen happen, um, and just, like, the kind of political reality that we've almost all gotten way too used to over the past four years, like, we kind of know in our hearts of hearts that this won't really matter, but it should, right? It really, really should, because stories like those that are so, so common, especially in the more non-voting younger generation and the more democratic side of things, like they know what it's like, they, they especially know what it's like to pay and struggle to pay income taxes. And I mean, it is really clear. It is really clear that it is not happening. So that is the most important thing. Um, as someone who will be paying, uh off a tax debt interest for years because I selfishly prioritized things like rent and food over footing the bar tab for a 22-year-old who got a job at HHS because his dad donated $3 million to the RNC. I'll just go ahead and admit it. Reading the New York Times story yesterday um, about Donald Trump's taxes, particularly the detail where he paid $750 in federal income taxes in both 2016 and 2017, Trump got me. Consider this lib triggered. Well done, Mr. President. He says it was infuriating, Paul Blah says. Uh, it is tempting to see Trump as a uniquely greedy and cheap outlier, but the time uh, and the Times did emphasize that his tax avoidance outstrips that of your average plutocrat, but that is a matter of degrees, not intentions. Trump took advantage of the purposely whole ridden system that allows anyone rich enough to hire the right lawyers and accountants not only to bypass one of life's two certainties, uh, but maybe make a little extra scratch while doing so. Uh, so may he, he may have done the, uh, this to a greater extent than many of his peers, but the central problem is not that Trump is a rat, it's that our system allows this to happen. I think that is the thing that so many Democrats are going to lose sight of today in trying to paint. Again, this is the, this is the biggest hole in the Democratic strategy, and really the Democratic viewpoint, the liberal viewpoint when it comes to Trump. Like, he's the unique evil. Like He's the sole problem. It's a big reason why, I mean, Joe Biden said it himself, it's a big reason why he's running. He believes Trump is uniquely evil, and he believes he's, he could be the one to stop him, because again, I guess he's, he's been around a while. I think that was the, the way he's put it. Um, but, like, that is the fundamental problem, because it's like, the this system like anybody really who has that kind of um who's that rich can do it if they want i mean and any everyone who's that rich does do it to a certain extent i mean look at especially with their their companies like amazon apple like every there are so many people so many rich people who uh avoid tax maybe trump not as much but we can or not as much as trump but we cannot uh, lose sight of that here for sure. Uh, in one particular case, Trump reportedly claimed more than seven hundred million dollars in years uh, of business losses in two thousand nine, which the Times referred was likely due to his move that year to walk away from his failing casinos in Atlantic City. Uh, from the Times story emphasis, uh, this is again from the Times story here. Um, 
Business losses can work like a tax avoidance coupon. A dollar lost in one business reduces a dollar of taxable income from elsewhere. The types and amounts of income that can be used in a given year vary depending on an owner's tax status. But some losses can be saved for later use or even used to request a refund on taxes paid in a prior year. Until 2009, again, like, that seems a little weird, but still... In 2009, those coupons could be used to wipe away taxes going back only two years. But that November, the window was doubled by a little notice provision in a bill that Obama signed as part of the Great Recession Recovery effort. Uh, now, business owners could request full refunds of taxes paid in the prior four years and 50% of those from the year before that. Despite not paying any taxes in 2008, the Times reported that Trump used this law, which was sold as assistance for people hardest hit by the Great Recession. Funny, funny, funny. Uh, to file a refund for $70 million, along with nearly $3 million in interest uh, for business losses dating back to 2005, thanks to, again, Obama and a supermajority Democratic government. I mean, is it possible that this bill did actually end up helping people in the Great Depression, too? But uh, sure, I, I guess it did. It probably helped, like, medium to large size, uh, medium to small businesses a little bit better, maybe. But, I mean, look at look at who it's also used for. Like, these are the people who take advantage of that system better than anyone. The people who have the accountants to do so. Which, I mean, it's really kind of tough to make. Um, but I think it, it definitely can and should be done. Uh, kind of a more fair tax code. A more tax code that's kind of actually accessible and, and manageable for a lot of uh, working class people. Um, it remains to be seen whether or not what... Uh, what Trump did was actually legal. Trump's tax case is particularly old enough to be in the uh, in middle school at this point, and has reportedly been in, been in limbo with the Joint Committee on Taxation for four years and counting, which illustrates an arrangement with the federal government that most of us do not have. But before executing the big write-off that ultimately landed him that audit, or signing laws that made the tax code even more favorable to the ultra-wealthy so he could pretty much do it again and all his friends could do it again when he left, uh, Trump couldn't believe how much the government let him get away with. Uh, when telling me in 2008 that he was cutting employees' salaries in half, including mine, Michael Cohen told Congress in February 2019, uh, Trump showed me what he claimed was a $10 million IRS tax refund and said he could not believe how stupid the government was for giving someone like him that much money back and again he is running this government he is in charge i mean you have to imagine that other rich guys have very similar conversations like how is this like how is this this easy how is this easy easy? like i mean i think most other rich people should just be like hey we pay for it we pay for the privilege and it's well worth our investment um but i mean that's really what's going on here right but still it is just insane, and and it's incredibly infuriating. It's incredibly infuriating, uh, but deep down, you kind of had this deep like sense in this pit of your stomach, like that nothing will change, nothing will fundamentally change the Joe Biden way. But um, yeah, the government wasn't stupid, however, at least. Uh, not any more than a parent who lets their six-year-old beat them at a Connect Four is stupid, and Trump is far from alone. From a 2019 Fortune uh, Fortune report. Uh, of the Fortune 500 companies that have already filed their 2018 taxes, 60 were profitable and yet all avoided federal income tax, according to an ITEP analysis released on Thursday. Uh, the total of U.S. income of the 60, uh, which the ITEP reports 
including names such as Amazon, Chevron, General Motors, Delta, Halliburton, and IBM, were more than $79 billion, and the effective tax rates were negative 5 uh, On the average, they just got tax refunds. Trump is acting just like these corporations do. He was acting like many, many other rich people, particularly wealthy developers do, by using all the resources at their disposal, um, of which there were many, to avoid paying as many tax dollars as he can. In 2016, NYU professor Ashwath Damodaran found that the average effective tax rates across all industries was 11%. In real estate development specifically, the rate was just 1.1%. Uh, largely due to the industry's reliance on depreciation and debt to finance more and more projects. Uh, That was to be expected uh, as much as anyone living in most countries in the world expects that elites are committing financial crimes and corruption uh, makes all of this more depressing. Uh, When BuzzFeed News published the FinCEN files earlier this month detailing the depths of the money laundering and willful ignorance of trillions of of dollars of suspicious transactions by the world's leading financial institutions. The response was, I mean, pretty much a shrug. I, mean, I, I didn't even hear about it. I do follow the news quite a bit. Um, it, it really is insane how much financial like crime and like double dealing and all that kind of stuff that we have pretty much made essentially legal, um, and if not legal, unenforceable. So we can't get a handle on the people who did it and actually kind of bring them to justice and, and put them in the right places. So, despite the fact that we all have kind of corruption fatigue and that most people could have guessed that Trump would be a tax sheet and probably guessed it and voted for him anyway back in 2016, this scandal is far beyond what Trump was impeached for or for Russiagate. The country's billionaire president effectively put zilch into the uh, public's coffers for 15 years and had to foot the losses for his business failures. And judging by the astronomical amount he owes in loans coming uh, due in the years uh, due in the coming years as well and the spike in revenue of his properties like Mar-a-Lago since he became president I mean why, why do you think he's using that cuz he needs the money he needs the money to pay off his uh, his lease his uh, debts that are coming due soon um he appears like literally just to be using the old office to keep the grift going like the it's it's literally self-sustaining the corruption is needed to survive uh, the usefulness of Trump is that this routine uh, really has forced the Democrats, who for decades have largely gone along with the program of deregulation and tax cuts and winking as a wealthy hustle the tax code to acknowledge the problem uh, exists, and that is the problem. Like Trump is there, and why do you think? Why do you think Richard Neal, who has been deregulating the tax code for decades, has no interest in actually getting Trump's taxes? Because they know that he is not like peeing on some bed in in Russia. They know he's using clear and blatant ru- ru- loopholes that Democrats had roles in creating and doing all this stuff and ripping off the country. Um, yeah, I mean, Richard Neal, of course, is the moderate House and Ways means. House Ways and Means chairman said on Sunday that the Times report shines a stark light on a vastly different experience people with power and influence have when interacting with the IRS and the average American taxpayer does. And who's been in charge of that? Your ways and means, my friend. I mean, come on. Uh, does this mean they'll actually do anything about it? The revelation probably isn't really going to change many votes. And considering the Democratic nominee for president only wants to roll back the corporate tax cuts half the way 
and that Neil, who just fought off a primary from the left, it in no small part by a homophobic smear campaign against his opponent, has been hesitant to commit to even that. It seems unlikely that a unified Democratic government would methodically tackle all the loopholes and the problems in the system that actually allowed Trump to get his ill-gotten gains. That very well could be um, illegal. So we are going to move on right now to uh, our next story, and that will be in just a moment. We are going to be talking about how the Proud Boys and the cops come together to make an incredibly violent situation, Um, and that will be next. We are continuing to follow, of course, all the protests about racial justice here in this country um, and how they are playing out. It's very, very interesting. And I do want to break down this piece here in The Intercept by Ryan Devereaux. Uh, It's called Proud Boys Rally Fizzled, but Portland's cops went on the attack. Dozens of riot cops chased protesters in the press, pummeling them with fists and clubs following an order to disperse. Uh, the Proud Boys claimed they would bring legions of dedicated patriots to the city of Portland, Oregon, but a powerful sh- in a powerful show of strength against their anti-fascist foes. But when the moment of truth came on Saturday, the right-wing gang failed to deliver, as they really almost always do. There's never really a massive showing of these people because they're really like they have they have mental issues. I mean, they're they're not like <laughs> they're almost like not comfortable really coming outside um, in, in large numbers. Because I mean, of course. Gavin McGinnis, who's their their leader or whatever, has been on on uh, all these on video being like, "Yeah, I, we should kill him. Let's go. Let's go kill them. Antifa. Let's ki- let's kill him. Let's kill them all. Like that's great. Are you you think I'm advocating? Yes, I'm advocating violence. Yeah, baby, violence. Let's go. Like that is Gavin McGinnis, uh, kind of in a nutshell for you." Uh, because he's the one. Like, I, I think so much of this is like that. These people. I mean, they're stuck inside. They probably didn't have the best, smoothest social lives around the way. Um, deeply kind of reactionary, like far right views, especially with women. Uh, as far as they're concerned, like a lot, like, kind of merging a little bit with the incel crowd. The proud boy crowd is there. I mean, they're they're uncomfortable 
leaving their couches where they'd much rather just be sitting there and being like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna fight the Antifa. This is gonna be this is gonna be our war. We're gonna be like World War Two. All the people who are doing that, all the brave troops. We're gonna, this is gonna be our battle. We're gonna go out there and we're gonna kill them. Like we're gonna we're gonna beat them up. But when when push comes to shove, not many people are there. Despite weeks of hype and deep concerns of the possibility of severe and deadly violence, the organization, which the Southern Poverty Law Center lists as a hate group, drew a modest crowd of angry men and women whose brief gathering mostly consisted of spilling cheap beer and hard seltzers and assaulting journalists in the park on the edge of town. The absence of large-scale violence, violence which just so often defined the group's forays in Portland over the past few years, just came as a relief to a city that's been blanketed in wildfire smoke in recent weeks and targeted by the Trump administration as an anarchist jurisdiction for its nightly protests against police brutality. On the run-up to the rally, uh, Governor Kate Brown declared a state of emergency which established law enforcement task force led by the Oregon State Police who were reportedly deployed uh, approximately 500 police officers to the event. Oh, good. They're going to restore some order because they want... They're 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 against the Proud Boys too, right? That's that's great. Uh, for at most several hundred people turned out for the demonstration. A far, far cry from the twenty thousand participants and observers that um sorry several hundred people. I just want to make that clear. A far cry from the twenty to twenty thousand participants and observers that the Proud Boys had estimated in their request for a permit. Their city the city denied the request, citing coronavirus restrictions. They cap gatherings at fifty people. The event over the weekend showed that law enforcement knew how to keep the far-right groups from unleashing violence in Portland all along, but they simply chose not to in previous instances. Michael German, a former FBI agent now at the Brennan Center, said in an email to The Intercept, uh, what the event lacked in numbers and made up for paranoia and talk of persecution. Billed as a demonstration against domestic terrorism, which is funny, um, the day's speakers focused their rage against the left broadly and against the anti-fascist movement known as Antifa in particular. Kyle Rittenhouse, the 17-year-old who was charged with two counts of murder after killing two Black Lives Matter protesters and wounding a third in Kenosha, Wisconsin, came up often, as it did Aaron J. Danielson, the supporter of the far-right group Patriot Prayer, who was shot and killed by a self-described anti-fascist in Portland last month, which, I mean, something about that to me seems a very, very weird story there. Um, this is a war, folks. We got to fight back, says Carol Leak, founder of Oregon Women for Trump. Connecting the day's events to President Trump's re-election efforts, Leak railed against the threat of encroaching Marxism and the dangers of black supremacy. Well, self-styled Proud Boy security guards roamed through the crowd, questioning journalists about their affiliations and attempting to intimidate those whose answers they found unsatisfactory. Very, very disturbing stuff. Um, and I mean, like, that is a place, if I were a journalist, I would not want to, I mean, that's kind of a more personal thing. I mean, maybe I would. I mean, a little dangerous, but <laughs> I, I don't know. But it it is a, I can totally get, let's just put it this way, I can totally get as a journalist why you would feel unsafe in a Proud Boy rally because these are people who, they hate you. Uh, and they have said time and time again, the people who have actually, bother to drag themselves out of their home and show up like they're pretty serious and you've got it you like there is we've seen they have very much kind of this violent ideation um violence uh they talk about it all the time they they kind of play off play that off like it's a big fantasy for them and that is like you have to assume it's not a far cry from reality that they could possibly want to carry something out something like that out so 
Yeah, police and tactical gear were mustered near overpasses outside Delta Park on the northern edge of the city, but with the exception of the occasional visits from a handful of liaison officers, the Proud Boys were largely permitted to police themselves, uh, which is kind of funny considering if the they were denied a permit, again, because of coronavirus restrictions. Uh, massive amounts of cops came anyway, and they were allowed to police themselves. If that was a leftist protest of any kind, I mean, that is just, I, I just explained something that if that happened, it, it could not happen at a leftist protest of any kind because they don't allow that to happen. Um, but yeah, so police and tactical gear, again, were mustered near these overpasses, uh, kind of in the northern edge of the city, uh, but they were allowed to police themselves. Attendees were well-armed, carrying rifles, sidearms, knives, bats, bear spray, and at least one electrified taser shield. Nearly all the demonstrators, um, all the demonstrators wore some type of tactical gear, uh, the letters RWDS, an abbreviation for right-wing death squads, were commonly seen on patches, uh, which is kind of funny, uh, because they're really, they're just saying they're right out. There's no, no hiding there. Um, there was abundance of pro-police thin blue line flags, attached to pickup trucks, body armor, and merchandise table. Of course, they had a merchandise table. Uh, yeah, thin blue line. That's, like, it's always the best when you see that kind of stuff going on. Uh, a handful of gunmen ran a checkpoint near an entrance to the park. Uh, an RV in a Walmart parking lot appeared to serve as a weapons and body armor depot for some of the protesters. So it's like, it almost seems like they're they're like making some sort of militia encampment here in a weird way. Um, neither attracted attention from the police, of course. Who cares? Why are there a big, massive store of guns and body armor in an RV? Want to check that out? Oh, I don't know. Not really. <laughs> it's like it really. It's hard to make you feel safe when, like, when this is the kind of cooptation, the cooperation that's happening in your city. It, it's very, very disturbing. Um, yeah. So uh, another shield ended up in the back of a truck that was later pulled over by police. Law enforcement seized several guns from the vehicle and a third shield spray painted the words FBLM. Uh, two of the men in the truck were given criminal citation for possession of loaded firearms in public. And I guess no one else was possession. Those, those citations, yeah, they're, they're going to work out great. Um, but authorities say they were investigating in an incident in which a man was filmed kicking a live streamer in the face, at least uh, one, one of at least three instances in which demonstrators were recorded putting their hands on members of the media. Uh, the victim said he was punched in the head and received a concussion. The assailant was photographed chatting with state police gave a casual TV interview after the attack. German, uh, German, sorry, uh, who he is, he's closely tracked law enforcement response to the far right violence in Portland under the Trump administration said the means for protecting the public, uh, have been long clear. If it's not, this is again, this is a former FBI agent. Uh, it's not as if it required aggressive police action, just proper planning, a presence, and a few token citations and weapon seizures made a huge difference. Yet, law enforcement still left room for criticism, allowing militants to man armed checkpoints and harass and beat journalists while uh, and others without interference reinforces the idea that police condone these armed out-of-state groups coming to Portland and intimidating, threatening, and assaulting residents. These are people who are there and most likely live somewhere near the area, but the Proud Boys, they come in and they travel from far and wide. These are out-of-state agitators in the same way that that trope was being used in minnesota but i think in this case if i i'd have to bet if i if i if i were a betting man i would bet probably a lot more accurately 
in this case. So, I mean, this this is very disturbing because it, we've seen this happen in more extreme examples throughout history. A lot of the police were, were also associated with the KKK back in those times. Like, the police inherently are, they're, they're not any kind of friends of, of leftists. And there are going to be a lot of, I think, mostly ignored pieces that come out about how deeply this connection was was uh, intertwined. Days before the Proud Boys rally took place, Guardian and Bellingcat, an investigative journalism organization, reported a night trove of leaked chats obtained by anti-fascists in Euro- Eugene, Oregon, uh, which showed a network of Pacific Northwest based pro-Trump and pro-law enforcement activists planning to engage in acts of targeted political violence, including the assassination of elected officials. Uh, people will get shot, stabbed, and beat, said one of the members of the so-called Patriot Coalition in a leaked message. Uh, one Saturday, on Saturday, sorry, uh, one of the participants in the chat group, mandating David Willis, who had been identified, uh, who had identified legal advocates in the press as targets, threatened a reporter while holding a paintball gun. Uh, Shane Burley, the experienced Portland-based journalist and author with whom Willis targeted, later described the demonstration as the most paranoid far-right rally I've ever been to. Uh, despite the low turnout, the Proud Boys had to paint a picture of a mission accomplished. Um, standing on the stage with a sunburn-faced and a wide grin, Proud Boy leader Joe Biggs said the rally gave him a boner, while National Chair Enrique Tarrio opted for a more measured tone, praising the governor's decision to declare a state of emergency uh, in interviews with reporters, both men were involved in ordering the physical removal of an independent journalist. And, like, this is something that they just let happen. This is something, again, the police just let happen. They let these freaks come in to their city and order, in, like, order residents, order random people, independent journalists, people who are there to film the scene, order them around, beat them around, order them removed forcibly. It is, like, think about all the places it can go. Like, I mean, if you don't watch this stuff now... Uh, it can get ugly fast. Um, especially if this is condoned by all lever- levels of power all the way up to the top in the presidency. Like, this is standard practice right now on the right wing. It's incredibly disturbing. And, I mean, I just, I just don't know how you get around that. Um, so, and on, on that note, I know it's not the best way to end, but that is all we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening to Newsflash. Really do appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day.